of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, is here. We're going to get to all the news in the cinema world uh, that isn't WGA strike-related. Yeah, this is uh, the follow-up recording to that crazy-ass uh, rambling session. That No, I'm, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> you just finished, and you're like, I'm spent i'm exhausted and uh, no i'm that was great i mean you explained a lot of things to me a lot of things i didn't understand and uh, i was trying to do a lot of research to keep up with you and i still didn't understand a lot of things so people do go back and listen to the wga strike ending analysis episode that my pal here just just uh, just carried me on his back that entire time uh and uh I'm just going to sit here this episode and chew my finger. Yeah, and I'll just I'll do most of the blabbering and yeah, it'll be like one of those uh those those every episode where <laughs> just one of us just falls asleep and I keep blabbering. It'll be like every other episode in the MMO catalog. That's right. We just one of us drones on and I I come out of my cocoon once every 6 months like a bear. <laughs> No, I think uh, I think this is like a throwback to one of the old school Mike, Mike and Oscar weeklies, though. Like we got Golden Globes awards news up top here. We got Polish international feature news. Yeah. It's, a, it's another one of those smorgasbords boards, smorgasbords. Uh, and I, I really like it. We got trailers and then I'm going to review it a board or a board. I think it's a B.O.R.D. I thought it was a board smorgasbord. It's a board of smorgas. Yeah. I think so. All right. Well, let's start with this board of smorgas and talk about what the... Uh, I keep wanting to call them the HFPA, but the Golden Globes now, I guess. You what love your acronyms, especially I after really do. that last Big episode. Big fan of letters. You love capital letters. You guys should have seen the doc for the WGA episode. <laughs> anyway, the Golden Globes just added... All right, I'm just going to call it a best popular film category. I know film Twitter is up in arms about this, but thank you to Matt Donnelly at Variety. He got the exclusive, and he's been reporting on this. And and look, I mean, film Twitter has been very upset at the, the quote-unquote Golden Globe for Cinematic and Box Office Achievement, which is officially ti- titled uh, uh, as the award there. And, and look, it's it goes for streaming films. It goes for, for films that uh, wind up doing well at the box office but not as well as you would think michael they capped the box office threshold at 150 million 100 of which has to come at the domestic box office in terms of the the streaming threshold we're not going to know that which is no surprise because we just spent an episode where streamers are not going to release information by trusted the the streaming information by trusted industry sources if they have equal to 100 million dollars domestically on streaming according to trusted industry sources. So the hot tub septuplet of WGA. <laughs> those, only those six guys can advise <laughs> the Golden Globes on which streaming films will be eligible. But ultimately, it's going to be up to eight films eligible for this Golden Globe for Cinematic and Box Office Achievement, Best Popular Film. And the Best Popular Films at the Globes can also be eligible for drama, 
or comedy categories. Now, I did like a little, you know, projection at what would have been eligible last year, Michael. So tell me if you like this category or not. Last year's Golden Globe for Best Popular Film, you would have had these nominees. Top Gun Maverick, mm-hmm. Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Avatar The Way of Water, Elvis, Nope, The Batman, and if you believe the 11.43 billion minutes t- uh, total for Disney Plus's Turning Red, which was the second most watched streaming movie of 2022 by somebody's metrics on the internet. I don't remember where. Turning Red would be in there. And then The Gray Man, because it's the Globes. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm guessing The Gray Man would not have been nominated, but again, the former HFPA probably would have nominated something like The Gray Man. I'm guessing something like RRR, which actually did perform well at last year's Golden Globes, I think with at least two, two nominations. Something like RRR, which surpassed 160 million worldwide at the at that box office and it probably did enough streaming numbers i would have hoped but let's just say rrr as the eighth nominee do you like that category do you like something winning out of that category going up against the fablemans banshees of inner sharon coming out of the golden globes well i like it in a vacuum but it's going to be treated as the the way some voters treat international features sadly on the oscar stage this is your animated feature this is your category mm-hmm. you can win this now let's let the serious movies play for best picture <laughs> so not eligible last year based on these metrics everything everywhere all at once the Fablemans or the Banshees of Inisherin, obviously the three big winners on the night, even at that Golden Globes, because everything everywhere won Michelle Yeoh, etc. So, is that? Is, I'm still wondering if it's a good thing just to have more categories, even if the category is kind of asinine and poorly categorized. I also don't understand best cinematic achievement and box office achievement. Doesn't that kind of imply that the highest box office should win? Just call it best blockbuster. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, yeah, best blockbuster film. Best blockbuster. Best popcorn movie. Yeah, I mean, popcorn movies are at the People's Choice or the MTV Music Awards, movie awards. But still, best popcorn movie, best blockbuster. I like the idea behind it, but I don't know that in practice it's going to make sense ever. Film Twitter is going to be outraged by it because they think, and I get it, I get it. They want movies, you know, just on their merits and 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 let's let's pick winners on their merits and they but here's the thing i would like more winners at the earlier precursors so if you had let's say avatar the way of water every uh, the the fablemans and the banshees of inishirin coming out last year as the big winners off a golden globe night that's that's a fun threesome no i mean even if it's Black Panther and yeah, Fablemans and Banshees. Do you actually think the winner of this would be taken seriously alongside the other two? I think if I it's a big movie like Avatar or Top Gun Maverick, it's at least something. It is something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that... I Like, optimistically, yeah, they would be taken seriously in that way for Best Picture at the Oscars. It's like a, this being a major precursor. I just... I, I don't know. I don't know that... I don't know if there's any way to implement the practice of giving blockbusters their own category mm-hmm. and have, be, have it help their Oscars chances. Well, I'll tell you what, though. If something like Elvis won last year at the Golden Globes, that probably would have meant a little something because Elvis was well-received by the Golden Globes. 
but in terms of nomination. But is just saying best blockbuster that's akin to what we think a best picture is? I, I just want... I, <laughs> like, what, you, what is the categories? I guess my... What I, like, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I wonder. I wonder. I think Top Gun Maverick, it would have been another feather in its cap. Best blockbuster that is closest to the best picture win. <laughs> It's a stupid category. Make no bones about it. But I just wonder if there's a scenario upcoming where Oppenheimer wins be- this, right? Because Opp- Oppenheimer is definitely eligible for this category. Yeah. And Oppenheimer maybe loses in best drama. But hey, Oppenheimer got a big win on the night. And maybe awards voters and certainly awards pundits can look at this and say hey they gave Oppenheimer that award instead of this award so they liked it we have to analyze this accordingly you know yes uh, and again optimistically that's how you would look at it but I would be looking at it pessimistically too and look like and say if Oppenheimer's in this category it affords a voter the chance to say well I'll vote for Oppenheimer in this category and that'll make it easier for me to pick some other movie in best picture so I don't have to worry about it well, at the Golden Globes, that makes sense. But I'm talking about extrapolating for Oscars' success, you know? Right, if right. I I, yeah, you're, you're saying in, in an optimistic world, this would be taken as seriously as Best Picture Drama's winner. I'm saying in, in certain instances, chance. like this year, Barbie or Oppenheimer. I mean, probably, I mean, right now, are they still the front runners for Best Comedy and Best Drama at the Globes right now? Would you guess? Probably, yeah. So I would guess the same. So that would mean Oppenheimer or Barbie is definitely going to win popular film at the Globes, right? So then it's just added. Yeah. It, then it's just added to the resume where it's another chance for Barbie to win another award on the night for the Globes. So that's. So you like this idea in practice? I wonder if it's going to come up and help us at some point if they keep this in for a while. Maybe they f- get, figure out a new name. Maybe Best Blockbuster is the new name later down the line. Just like we thought Best Popular Film could be okay for the business, and especially the Oscars business, you know, we weren't as dead set against that as all of film Twitter was. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not against this either. I just don't like this. No, I don't like this either. They, didn't, they screwed it. They still screwed the pooch. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's also kind of hilarious that they wanted to have the second New Globes category of best performance and stand-up comedy on television, which, all right, so you're bringing up the two most controversial issues of award shows, <laughs> of wanting more popular films and wanting more stand-up comedians. <laughs> and you're bringing them both back. You're doubling down. <laughs> this one, I, I, I mean, I like this one a lot more. I have far less of a problem with it. Right. I don't know that anyone will care, necessarily. But here you now have a category where you're going to nominate five stand-up comedians, hopefully popular ones, who can then present awards on the evening, do their shtick, talk their shit. You're getting more stand-up comedians on your award show stage. Just built in. Right. Which is a good thing, right? I think that counts. Yeah. Smart. Although it is hilarious they waited until the year after Chris Rock's special. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, film Twitter may crucify me for my takes here, but I I think there's a world in where this popular film blockbuster award could could work out. 
I'm I'm rooting for it to work out in some semblance. You know, let's say I'm let's not say, against. Yeah, I I I I also mm-hmm. don't think that much like film Twitter does think. I, I don't think that award shows should just cater towards the film nerds and film like elitists and stuff like like film Twitter has this tendency to want the Oscars to be just for them and cut down on popular cat film categories and stuff like that. I don't think that's reasonable. I think you need to try to appeal to as many people as you can. Yeah. So if like Avengers Endgame had won this new category years ago, we probably wouldn't pay it much mind. But this year Oppenheimer could win it. American Fiction could win Best Drama, and Barbie could win Best Comedy, and then you walk out of the night at the Golden Globe saying, okay, those f- three films helped themselves, right? Still? No, because our headline would be, wow, American Fiction beat Oppenheimer. Yeah, but Oppenheimer still well, won something, <laughs> and you're wondering <laughs> but about them. But that's a detriment, I think. You think it's a positive. I think it's a detriment. I just think it's Oppenheimer saving some face there. This is why you listen to us. We're debating debates that haven't even needed to be debated yet (laughs) already. So speaking of which, Poland has selected the the peasants over Green Border. And obviously we're on the side of Agnieszka Holland and and Green Border. And the fact that the Polish government, due to its political subject matter, has condemned the film. And the film community at large is, is, you know risen up and, and and supported Green Border and Holland and the filmmakers there, that this is all a good thing. That being said, we're not mad at The Peasants, which is the hand-painted animated film from the directors of the Oscar-nominated Loving Vincent Michael, uh, and, and something that Sony Pictures Classics just picked up, probably because it's a stupendous film that you're going to talk about here in a second. So it's a year where there's two really good Polish films, but this is this is big news yet again in back-to-back weeks for an international feature and certainly for for the reason for this category is existing correct yeah and this to me is the biggest feather in the cap as to why the international feature category should exist and i went back and forth i was having and hawing a couple episodes ago about whether or not the much like this popular film category whether the international feature category is considered to be like kind of its own Mm-hmm. detriment to a film's best picture chances in terms of voters seeing it and saying, well, you can win your category, but that because you win that, it, you don't have, I don't have to take you seriously in best picture and whether we'd be better off doing away with it. But no, the international film category is great for shining spotlights on humanitarian issues abroad. Yes. And uh, this is a big one, I think. And we did talk about, and this is the second week in a row, you're right, the, you know, France going with the taste of things over the Palme d'Or winner, Anatomy of a Fall, and how France has that ugly history of selecting yeah. man-made films over female-directed films. Mm-hmm. And now this is another issue, and, and this is dealing with my motherland of Poland. The Peasants is picked over Green Border. You said it. Scott Roxborough of The Hollywood Reporter also said it. Apples to apples, the Peasants being chosen over Green Border in and of itself isn't that controversial. The Peasants is a highly praised and reviewed movie. And it actually cur- carries currently a higher review score on both Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb than Green Border does. But the controversy comes in and how the Polish government which is conservative in nature, has preemptively attacked the Green Border film and compared it to Nazi propaganda prior to Poland's Oscars committee, inevitably, some would say, voting 4-2 to two to submit the peasants as the country's representation for the Academy Awards instead over Green Border. Why would the Polish government take such offense to a movie depicting the political conflict at the Poland-Belarus border? 
According to Roxborough for THR, it depicts Belarusian refugees who were lured to the Poland border by propaganda which promised easy acceptance into the European Union, which Poland's conservative government has taken great efforts to thwart and shut down completely. Now again, according to the actual Polish government, the film, the film depicts Polish soldiers working at the border akin to Nazi officers, and the government of Poland went so far as to create and produce their own film disputing mm-hmm. the green borders claims about the Polish government, which was mandated to be shown prior to any screenings of green border taking place within Poland's boundaries, which is like, yikes. <laughs> so it, this is as if our white house, how maybe- dare you make us seem like the Nazis? We're going to, produce propaganda films like the oh boy (laughs) right if our white house ever condemned the front-running film in an oscars category can you imagine i mean that's 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 what you have to think about if you're an american listening to this right now you have to think this is akin to uh, give me a front runner oppenheimer being being out there and joe biden being like wait a minute (laughs) This makes America look really bad. We're going to have our government produce a film disputing all of Christopher Nolan's claims in Oppenheimer to make the American government look great. And And we're going to play it before you watch Oppenheimer. And oh, by the way, at the BAFTAs, we're going to make sure that Oppenheimer is not eligible. Right. It's it's ludicrous. And this is government censorship at the highest level. I'm ashamed to talk yeah. about it. I'm ashamed to say I'm Polish right now. Uh, our, our buddy Wojciech uh, came on. He's, he's obviously from there and talked about how this is nothing more than political persecution and political propaganda wow. in and of itself. A lot of people on Twitter believe it's political persecution. This is terrible. And it's not to say, I mean, the Oscars Committee of Poland, It's it, Roxborough has it in his article, it's being held by so many Oscar-nominated and winning people, and it's like a legitimate Oscars board. Mm-hmm. But they're up against it, too, because they're in their own home country, and they're you know, facing down the barrel of this government's telling yeah. them what to do, essentially. And there yeah. might be consequences if they don't go the government's way. I mean... Good I'm for the sh- two people who still voted for Green Border, by the way. Right. I'm, sh- I'm sure there are there's an artistic debate here. I mean, I'm sure these are two sure. good films sure. just based on how... You know, we watched Loving Vincent, so we're we're gonna have to watch these films, Green Border and the Peasants, for yeah. ourselves. And I'm, and I'm glad for the peasants because I'm, I, you know, we liked Loving Vincent, like we said, and maybe that's the animated feature fifth. We'll we'll get into that category a bit later, but I think, uh, I think this is something that's worth following going forward. Or, forward and Green Border being the highest uh, applause o meter winner at the yeah. Venice Film Festival, fifteen minutes, minute, fifteen minutes, whatever. I, yeah, it was. that. That matters, right? I mean, this movie is being well-received, and it's a shame that Agnieszka Holland, uh, yet again, I would say, you know, not not in the mix there, an international feature. and That's a bummer. But we'll continue the Oscar news here for a hot minute, one more hot minute, on a much lighter story. The Bike Riders will be going for original screenplay. Michael, The Bike Riders is based on a photo-slash-interview book so I'm wondering why you choose these hills to die on. <laughs> you are so weird. You're not like George Costanza necessarily, but you are Jerry Seinfeld levels of stubborn. Mm. The character of Jerry Seinfeld, that <laughs> is. Maybe the person, I don't know. But you won't kiss hello. You won't overthank people. You won't move from the couch to the love seat to co- console a crying woman emotional over the finale of Beaches starring Bette Midler. What's wrong with you? You seriously have a screw loose. Well... Yes, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, 
<laughs> Thanks to our buddy Clayton Davis shouting out us uh, on Twitter. This is Clayton's article and, and his take here about it going into original screenplay over adapted. Um, your comparisons to me being a Seinfeld character aside, I, I, I feel like I was the only one talking about the bike riders as a potential Oscars nominee and having never seen it, never had anything to do with it. And I didn't understand why. And now mm-hmm. people are coming to the forefront. Don't let it get nominated in multiple big eight, big eight categories, big six categories, big five, however you want to define it. Just don't let it happen. There's going to be consequences. You will, uh, you'll be insufferable. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Almost as insufferable as the accents being performed <laughs> by the stars run amok in this. No, I think it I is, actually. It is weird how everybody is desperate to avoid adapted screenplay, right? Well, like we want Oppen- no part of Marty. We want no part of Oppenheimer. Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer. It makes sense. The Color Purple, etc. I mean, it's a loaded category this year, adapted screenplay. Otherwise, Michael, we have the news that Hattie McDaniel's Oscar will be physically replaced and gifted to Howard University. So if you read the articles on this, they don't know if it was lost or stolen or sold or regardless, the Academy, a nice PR move here for certain, the the winning uh, supporting actress from Gone with the Wind, Hattie McDaniels. This uh, this Oscar will be remade and gifted to Howard University. And a gesture like this, they should be seeking out more things like this to do. The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, right? I mean, I mean, good job. But what took you fifty years to figure this out? We, PR people. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we say that all the time about the academy but it's in howard university being a historically black college and university obviously like yeah great job academy this is long overdue what the hell took so long we say that about a lot of stuff having to do with the uh the oscars and honestly the the movie industry at large when it comes to issues of equality uh both gender and race racial equality so uh, this is a no-brainer you're absolutely right it's good pr it's the right thing to do more than anything i, I don't know why it took this long to get to good all right so we're going to talk about a box office update now, but I think what I like to do in this episode is kind of look back at September and then look forward at, at October and, and see how things went and, and wonder how things may go. And again, we're on the heels of this WGA agreement, so we're we're hopeful that productions will resume sometime soon after a SAG-AFTRA agreement and hopefully after an IATSE you know, uh, measures taken in, yeah. on their behalf as well. So we're, we're rooting for all these things, but we're rooting for them at a low point in the box office, Michael. The Nun 2 won last weekend, $8.4 million. Expend Four Bulls did 8.3. So, look, the, September finished with a whimper. Went out with a whimper here. Dumb Money is still only in 616 theaters, or it was. It's expanding this weekend. 2.5 million. It Lives Inside was supposed to be a big new horror movie from Neon and 2.6 million, 3 million thus far totaled. Not good. Just a terrible week at the box office. They're hoping Saw X and the creator can do better. I'm going to review a couple of these movies going forward. So I'm wondering if September was better or worse than our expectations. For me, it was a little worse. What do you think about it's September? About, yeah, I mean, we, well, it was it was bad. <laughs> and we <laughs> said it was going to be bad. So it's about, I didn't have exact numbers for anything in mind. 
I mean, I guess it's a good thing for the likes of Barbie, which is still hanging around the top five. Sure. And, and you know, but yeah, there's not been any new releases that have like really kind of claimed the box office. I cannot believe mm-hmm. Saw X. I, I mean, the path is there for Saw X to like <laughs> kill. I mean, pun intended, but not only because of the lull in the box office, but the word of mouth this thing has gotten. Yeah. I'm what the hell are we talking it. about? I'm You're consi- going to see it? I may actually see it now because it I'm is, actually I mean, reading. For those who don't know, also, Mike, despises Ugh. body horror. I hate it. And yet, this is supposedly more story-oriented. And it is the first time in the history of the franchise that it has a fresh Rotten Tomato rating, 84%. Not just fresh. 62. I mean, it's killing it. Awesome. So high. What the hell? What could possibly be the story? I listed out all of the Rotten Tomato Meteors ratings of all nine films previous. 50% for the first movie was the best. A 48 meta score for the third movie was the best. Like, these movies are poorly received, even though the box office was always... That 50% is offensive. Saw right. one getting a fifty percent on almost two hundred uh, critic reviews is offensive. Forty six right. Metascore, that's BS. That deserves better. And that's everything 100. else is probably accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped. I look. I tapped out in the Saw franchise after Saw three. I'll be honest. Uh, you kept watching all of these. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course, Ew. of course. And you you would say that these review scores are they make sense to you? I'm I mean, do you really want me to get in the weeds here? I'm surprised three is lower than two. Uh, okay, go ahead. Saw, Saw six with a bounce back is probably proper, but it's still lower. A 39% is still lower than I would have thought it was. Spiral, it, it's all in context, right? Like mm-hmm. Saw 3D being a 9%, like, yeah, that's probably appropriate, but I also don't know that the expectations were that high. But Saw 3D being a 9% is probably less of a letdown than Spiral being a 37%, which I think is still proper because expectations were so high with Spiral being, you know, Chris Rock having bought the rights and being attached to it, Samuel L. Jackson being in it, and it was right. kind of a meh offering there during the pandemic. So, yeah. But, yeah, not not that offended by the way the rest of these scores shake out other than Saw 1. And yet Saw X, 84%. So I did want to do – I keep – getting suckered into these reviewing the reviewers segments but i can't resist here perry nemeroff of collider she says saw x is top tier saw love love loved that it's a john kramer who's jigsaw focused mm-hmm. story with a heavy emphasis on his mentor slash protege connection with amanda saw x strikes the ideal balance between standing on its own two feet and enhancing franchise franchise mythology First time I've walked out of a new Saw movie dying to do another full series rewatch in quite a while. This is wild. Like, for a, <laughs> for a film series to find its footing in its 10th entry after they tried so hard abandoning the Jigsaw storyline, I think three separate times now. Yeah. They, they tried three Halloween, th- Halloween threes. Three of them. <laughs> for Jigsaw, John Kramer to still be back. But I don't... How do you... So this one has to be a prequel, obviously, if you know anything about the Saw franchise. Mm-hmm. But how far back can you go with the actors getting older? <laughs> you okay. could only put John Kramer in so many backwards caps 
before mm-hmm. you have to do something with kind of with technology to make him actually look younger. I mean, it's the same thing that you make fun of me for watching the Disney Plus Star Wars shows for. <laughs> I make fun of you? Keep, I don't know that I make fun of you. I I hear it in your voice. Okay. I hear it. But <laughs> a, a couple more reviews here. Those minded to put themselves through it are unlikely to leave disappointed. Though giving deli counters a wide berth for a week or two is advised. That's Robbie Collin of Daily Telegraph. Could have given that same review about the wrestler, though. <laughs> Even if you see one or two of the narrative surprises coming, there's no chance you've seen as intelligent a use of human entrails. Allison Foreman of IndieWire. You're going to see this. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> well, but here's the here's what gives me hope. There's more talking and less torturing. Okay. I personally approve of that ratio, though I'm not sure it will pay off at the box office. That was Owen Gleiberman of Variety, Michael. That's wow. really nice by Owen Gleiberman for the Saw franchise. That's where I'm hoping, like, maybe I can endure it. But, like, I'm worried about the sickos I'll be sitting next to in the theater. Somebody comes in with their small intestine hanging out. I'm just <laughs> oh. a big fan. I like the first movie, uh, like everybody. He like most people. around a banister like Batman's Gatling gun. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all. It's almost. Oct- it's October by the time you're listening. It's to this. October. It's, it's, we're, it's we're getting season. Yeah. We're getting morbid and uh, macabre. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, there's hope for September ending better than we feared. Maybe. I'm Something. excited for this movie. Like, I was ashamed of myself for being as excited as I was when we reviewed the preview. Mm-hmm. But this positive word of mouth. I. I don't know. I'm either excited or just bewildered. So, to finish this, September had Dumb Money, which was okay. Yeah. Bottoms, which I love that you need to watch. I'm going to get to. It's, it's yeah. starting to be on demand. Now. But I am sh- I am so fascinated if you're going to like it or hate it, because there's so many people that love Bottoms or hate Bottoms. I don't mm. know what you're going to be. All right. Cause I can't you- imagine I'll hate it if Marshawn Lynch is being what he's being. It's a goofy, goofy movie. You just got to be ready for it. All right. I'll be anyway. ready. I'm, I'll take All right. it on. So that's September. I'm going to kind of, you know, review a bunch more September films before we finish this episode. But to just teasing that to the end, we do want to talk about another horror franchise here near and dear to our height, uh, our hearts. Michael Miramax is now shopping the Halloween IP for both TV and film ideas. What do you make of this? This comes from Jimmy Champagne, who's a great follow for horror stuff on YouTube. Who's somebody I'd love to have on someday too uh, to Good. talk horror with. I, he doesn't understand how the rights work. I still don't have my head around it. I don't know why Miramax is the one, unless they're just, unless those, the shopping of the rights is being outletted or licensed to Miramax by the Akkad family. I don't know how the rights break down between the Akkad family and Miramax when it comes to Halloween. But anyway, Miramax is shopping it, and I bring this up for two reasons. Um, one is that, as Jimmy Champagne explains it, it sounds like if it's going to be a TV-centric series, it's going to be more focused in the world of Halloween 3, the season of the witch, so it will not have Mike Myers on the little screen, which I am wildly in favor of. Okay. If, if you're going to do Halloween as a TV series, I would... Mike Myers belongs in the movies. Wow. Good. No? You don't think yeah. so? Sure. But okay. what is Halloween without Mike Myers, though? Very fair. Very fair. The season um, of the witch is a fun said, movie. 
th- 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 that's where I was going to go next. Like, there is a lot of ground to cover with Season of the Witch if you want to, to blow that out and have, like, the, you know, the corporate espionage angle and all that stuff that's in that movie, which has become kind of a cult favorite here in 2023, 40 years later. <laughs> True. However, do you want do you want them mining like do you want them mining that or do you want them mining the man in black and all that stuff well that's a great question uh <laughs> i would like to follow up me saying mike myers doesn't belong on tv screen by saying uh calling myself a hypocrite and saying i have a pitch for mike myers to to cover three seasons in a movie and i have actually two of them <laughs> so if Miramax wants to get in contact with me, I will uh, I will take the top off someday. But I have a pitch that I, is guaranteed to work. You'll get your viewers. I don't know if you want to go to Netflix or whatever. Uh, you'll get your viewers, and then you get them into a theater. You can double dip. It's easy, and it's sure to work with the Halloween fan base. Uh, I have it. It's a gold idea. Call me. All right. Michael is officially <laughs> soliciting on our broadcast for other work, but I'll allow it. That's fine. It's. I hope you get it. I hope you get the job. Thank you. Thank you. It is interesting, uh, the one follow-up with this. Champagne explained that the two networks or studios that seem most attached right now are... Uh, I, I forget. I think he said MGM. I could be wrong about that. But the second one, which like was like, what? To me? A24. Wild, but... Can you imagine A twenty four is Halloween? Well, it makes some sense in the in in the mad. You know, they they do stuff for other people. Like they could put it on Apple, even though Apple doesn't make sense for that. But A twenty four, there's a lot of A twenty four on Max. There's a lot of A twenty four everywhere. Especially A twenty four TV for a Halloween movie. But I guess, yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's your uh, Halloween update. All right. Well, we'll talk about October programming here. As I said, I want to kind of put the final word on September later in the episode, but let's look at October. Next week, we have The Exorcist Believer going wide, and I would say Dick's the Musical is the limited pick of the week. Uh, She Came to Me, Cat Person, we've also covered those films. we got a lot coming to streaming this month, Michael. Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, The Kane Mutiny Court Martial, Totally Killer, which is going to be a Blumhouse Amazon Prime horror movie, The Burial, Foe, all coming to Amazon uh, next week, I believe. And Good. you know, the 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 this is before what's going to hit the the theaters like an avalanche, and that's Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, which is going up against Dark Harvest, the niche horror film. Uh, that's going to be a. I mean, what do you what do you expect opening weekend for Taylor Swift the Eras Tour concert film? Michael, two hundred million, one hundred fifty. What's a good over under there? Yeah, I was going to say one to one fifty. Oh, you think it's that little? But I mean, the pre sales are like seventy, eighty million now, and that's just at AMC pre sales. Well, it's only being shown at AMC, right? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think the way I understand this is that she made this movie. She sidestepped all the studios she got her interim agreement and she just went directly to amc and said hey Hmm. you guys want this wow of course they do and it's gonna make at least 70 million (laughs) yeah right (laughs) killers of the flower moon is going wide on the 20th old dads will be streaming on netflix otherwise limited release the persian version butcher's crossing naiad which will hit netflix early november otherwise like the wide offerings, there's not much else. It's pretty much an Exorcist Believer, Taylor Swift Eras Tour, Killers of the Flower Moon. Those are the headlines. Five Nights at Freddy's be Halloween weekend there, Michael, but that's day and date on Peacock. 
Freelance is a John Cena movie that's going wide. I don't know what the hell that is. Otherwise, The Killer, The Holdovers, Fingernails, those are all platforming. Like I said, Nyad platforming. They're going to come out in November at various times. So what do you think of October? I don't think October's all that strong for for depth. I thought September might have been deeper than October. What do you think of this slate? Like, I'm not thrilled by it. I mean, Killers of the Flower Moon no, is a big, you can't be thrilled by it. big draw it seems, for us. Yeah. Are we going to do a, uh, uh, a profile or a, uh, an episode on The Exorcist Believer next week? Do you want to do that? I am interested to see that movie. Uh, I am also horrified at the... I mean, if you're going to tell me we live in a world where Saw 10 is going to get an 82 and the Exorcist David Gordon Green follow-up is going to get, like, what, a 30 40%? Wow. Uh, Can you imagine? would never have put my money on that, so... But like I said, I've been getting just beat up this week with gambling, so... Eh. Okay. <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon is going to be huge. Are you going to see Taylor Swift with the niece? Do you know what my niece is, like, so excited for? She's seven years old. What's she that? has asked me multiple times if I could take her to see it. I'm okay. dead serious about this. Five Nights at Freddy. No way. I swear you, to God. You said her older brother, your yep. nephew, is Wants terrified. nothing to do with it. Hates it. Doesn't like horror at all. Does not like it. But I've been, like, priming my niece with, like, certain scary things. every Like, I'll give her, I'll give her one spooky toy every Christmas, and it's worked <laughs> so well. I, I didn't imagine it to work this well. She has asked me for weeks now. I, the, when I told her Five Nights at Freddy was PG-13 and not rated R, which means she knows she has a chance to see it, if, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's a chance that her mother might actually allow her to see it, my sister-in-law, she was beyond excited. It's all she could talk about for a week. That being said, you know you're going to scare the every-living crap out of her. Probably. If you take her. Probably, yeah. You're a bad I mean, if it's day and date, yeah. if it's on Peacock, I, I told her I have to watch it first. And you have I'll to decide watch it first. if it's if it's okay for her. Good. All right, so, that's the yeah. correct answer, I would think. Yeah, she has no interest in Taylor Swift. Really wants to see Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> anyway, I'm a little disappointed by the the October preview. I thought October would have been fully loaded, or it's if really instead not. of Freelance, John Cena was remaking Ernest Does Halloween or Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> as there's such a, there's a, a push TikTok on TikTok. John, listen, they put up side by side pictures of of Jim Varney and John Cena, and they are not dissimilar. <laughs> I'm gonna ignore that. I'm just gonna ignore it <laughs> because you now by transitive property, you're gonna tell me Jim Varney and the guy from the affair. What's his name? Uh, Dominic uh, Dominic West. Yeah, they go. look Dominic alike. West. I'm gonna type in Jim Varney. John How Cena. dare you? I mean, Mike, I'm gonna send you these pictures. <laughs> you can't. I tell don't me want them. Yet. All right, we have to move on to Oscar trailers, and I'm 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 structuring this episode for this reason because like October not shaping up to be as good as I had hoped, but I'm seeing twelve. New York Film Festival films, and I'm just kind of being a weekend warrior. My schedule's slammed. It is what it is, but I'm seeing Poor Things tomorrow, which I'm excited for, knock on wood. All of Us Strangers, I'm seeing Monday night. And then uh, you, you're, you're literally sending me this right now. Look at that picture! <laughs> That's not fair. What do you want? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. All of a sudden, you got a picture that looks like them, and it's not fair, huh? <laughs> they actually do look They look so similar! <laughs> All right, you know what? 
your glasses. Tell me you wouldn't be in to see John Cena remake every Ernest movie. The prince, the the prescription on those glasses <laughs> might actually be working, folks. Go ahead, May, December, sorry. Poor things, all of us strangers. And then I got a day with the taste of things. Evil does not exist. Anatomy of a fallen hitman. That's a big day. And then I yeah, have another I day. La Chimera, The Zone of Interest, Janet, Planet, and the Beast. But the reason I'm bringing all these up is that May, December will be my nice little Saturday final day right now. Because I tried to get the killer tickets. I couldn't even get them. It oh, wow. sold out. I was on there for, for an hour. Wow. I got on there like 20 minutes early. And they had three screenings for the killer showing up for a Sunday. I was going to take my brothers to go. And we're bummed. We like we can't go now. <laughs> it's wow, horrible! But well, that's the, every good, good news for the killer, I guess. Every screening is essentially sold out now at the New York Film Festival. You couldn't even go if you wanted to. Interesting. All right. Unbelievable. Good so it's, we feared that the strikes were going to hold back viewership, but no, people are festival film festival crazy right now. In May December, opening up the New York Film Festival as we speak, Michael. Today on the recording, tomorrow we'll have all the reviews. So we got this new trailer, and I wrote a, wrote down a bunch of juicy quotes. This seems like some dangerous drama, though. I don't know. I, I'm not exactly worried that Todd Haynes is going to, you know, he's, he's going to have controversial takes on this movie. I'm sure he's going to be ethical and, and handle it in the mm-hmm. proper way, but... It is a rough think? story. They, it's a rough story. I don't know if she's a teacher or whatever, but Julianne Moore sleeps with this seventh grader or something, and then they end up together? So, essentially, this 36-year-old, and it's based on the real story of Mary Kay Letourneau, who Letourneau, was a, yeah. Letourneau, who was a teacher in Washington State in mm-hmm. 1997, mm-hmm. and she ended up having a kid in prison. That's why then, I call Julianne Moore. Is Julianne Moore a teacher? In, I know this real story, but is she playing the teacher, or is she just... She's playing the teacher, but years later... Natalie Portman is going to adapt that story for the right. big screen so that she goes and lives with her for, you know, to, to learn about the character. So is this going like single white female for Natalie know. Portman wanting to become Julianne Moore? That's kind of what I got from this trailer. Quote, a booby trap of a movie. It makes you feel one thing then makes you wonder if you should be feeling something entirely different, unquote. Like that's a pull quote from the movie, I think from the Times like, what the hell? But you I, get it, the idea from this trailer that Natalie Portman is actively seducing the guy. Melton? Charles Melton? Yeah. He's having a big year, Charles Melton. He's supposed to be very good in this. And I, he's supposed to be very good in something else. And I, I now forget. Right. One Life, perhaps. But Charles Melton is supposed to be a Best Supporting Actor candidate from May, December. But I'm, I mean, this was a really well-cut trailer. That yeah, piano... Was. Best original score, look out if that's original. Like, I don't know if that's classical music just being reprised here. I should I tried to look it up. I couldn't really find anything. But the trailer is, did more for my intrigue to, this, to see this movie yeah. than any word of mouth has so far. I'll say that. This is Which net, isn't it, usually the case, I don't think. Right. Netflix has been hit, hit and miss on a lot of these trailers, but this was a hit. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, we'll move on to Wish, Walt Disney Animation, directed by... The, you know, Fawn, Vera Sunthorn, and Chris Buck of Zootopia, Ryan and the Last Dragon, the Frozen movies, Ariana DeBose, Chris Pine, etc., Rami Yusuf. I still say the matted storybook backgrounds of the castles and fairy tale countryside. That's some of the most beautifully animated footage 
ever and i'm watching it in a disney trailer that's probably not maximized yet i can't wait to see wish on the big screen we it's got more takeaway too this looks absolutely gorgeous gorgeous right i mean we got more plot we do know that the sorcerer king is granting certain wishes of his kingdom of rosas based on what he deems is good for the kingdom right i mean and then ariana debose wishes upon a star maybe your dreams will come true Right? Oh, I mean, where do they get that? Yeah. Where do they get from? Like, are you getting it? I mean, my, can my tone get any more insufferable? Very cute with the star. Very cute Alan Tudyk. Uh, what is he there? A goat the or a goat. lamb or something? My butt found it. I, I laughed at that part where his butt finds the secret passageway. I just laughed at that stupid little chicken becoming a huge chicken. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> that was enough for me. They go behind the wall, and the Alan Tudyk is a goat, like, playing symphony orchestra for all the I other chickens. loved that they're breaking down the quote-unquote fourth wall of a Disney musical number <laughs> being performed by the goat and the chickens, and all of the family members of Ariana DeBose's character demanding to get be. You know, what is that commotion in there? And she opens the door, and it's the musical number going on. I was dying. I thought this was hilarious. I, I also laughed out loud a couple times in this trailer, which I did not expect from this. It's a very, very good trailer. For a movie that we were already excited for. I mean, yes. the first teaser was great. Seeing Chris Pine, play, you know, he's a bad guy because he's playing the role of God, essentially. That's kind of a, a unique twist. Well, he thinks he is, so. Right. That's, yeah, but that's, I'm in. I'm in for this. Sure. Uh, Spider-Verse, The Boy and the Heron, Wish, would you say those are like three, you know, shoo-ins for Best Animated Feature? I probably would, right? Probably, yeah. Elemental? Did Elemental leg it out at the box office enough to give Pixar that fourth spot? I would probably say so as well, right? That's going to be interesting. So now we have a loaded category where Clayton Davis, I mean, he's got Trolls Band together, in I, I I mean I forget what Scott had but I I would tell you I a lot of people have a lot of different films Nimona Migration Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget Super Mario Brothers remember many people are predicting Super Mario Brothers to get a nomination because of its success at the box office I would pick Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Men, Mayhem as my fifth I thought that was awesome but I don't know the peasants the peasants they shot the piano player the category of animated feature is loaded this year Deep michael year and it brought back in sync <laughs> it did you're right it certainly did all right that's wish very good trailer so far a couple good trailers yeah. fingernails fingernails this is the apple tv plus movie i don't starring get it i Jesse thought when we Buckley. got when we reviewed that snippet mm-hmm. of the movie we reviewed this was gonna be some kind of like psychedelic type thing it still might be. This is a love story. It, it This trailer was a rom-com yeah. romance story. Riz Ahmed, Jeremy Allen White, Annie Murphy, Luke With Wilson. Riz, I mean, by the way, Riz Ahmed. Could a guy have lucked into a better name at any point with how much Riz <laughs> is considered like a big thing amongst young people right now? I got the Riz. <laughs> I got the Riz. He's literally Riz. That's great. It is great. Good for him. And he's adorable in this trailer. Yeah. And the fact when, I mean, Jesse Buckley hugging him from behind like that. Yep. As cute as it gets, right? Yeah, I agree, but it's not at all what I was expecting. So this looks like typical romantic dramedy, you know, par for the course kind of stuff. And poor Jesse Buckley, by the way. Oh, I have to choose between the bear 
Or the guy from the night of. Man. <laughs> Jeremy Allen White. I agree with him about pottery class. I will say that much. <laughs> Good. All right. I've I don't know about you. I've never taken one, so I can't. No, I have no comment. But it does look messy. I mean. Yeah, well, it is dirt. That's. <laughs> it's dirt. You're just. It's wet dirt. It's mud, some would say. <laughs> A cutesy trailer, I would say. Now, I'm curious about what you think of the next trailer. Fair play. I've seen the film already at Sundance. I'm curious if you want to watch this movie, because I didn't love Fair Play at Sundance. I didn't give it the rave review that it's been getting out there. Chloe Dumont of Ballers starring Phoebe Denever of uh, Bridgerton, Alden Ehrenreich of Oppenheimer already having a good year, Michael. Eddie Marzan. Do you want to see Fair Play after this trailer? What do you think? Can I tell you what I got most out of this trailer? <laughs> I'm afraid to ask. I want one time in my life to be in a secure enough position in my job where I can take a blunt object to a bunch of computer screens that are on my desk because things aren't going my way with no consequence whatsoever. That's what I want. I saw that happen in this trailer, and I was like, oh, why not me? When is it going to be my turn to, <laughs> to take destroy. a golf club to a bunch of monitors because I got hosed on a sale or something, you know? Uh... Well, I would say you should watch Fair Play to find out. But I'm not joking. I'm not making that up as a bit. I actually was like, oh, come on. One me. Why? No, we, we cannot do that in our lives. Um, but, uh, it cost me thousands of dollars if I did that. That's not fair. Yeah. This, this movie, jump, I'm not saying jumps the shark. It just ratchets up to like 11 or 12. Do you still think it's got legs to be a Netflix top 10 all time? I don't I see do it getting wonder. promoted all that much. It could get steamy. It could get people who want steamy views. Okay. People are perverts. That and is true. It's, it's does somewhat well steamy for the pervs out there. The sickos. I'm one of them. Speaking of which, have you seen that new mm-hmm. HBO Max or I guess Max... Well, why don't they just call it Zaz at this point, by the way? Have you seen the new uh, dating show on that series? <laughs> where it's just Have you watched it yet? It's I just have porn, not, I, right? I have not watched I didn't even know it existed until I was told about it yesterday. But it's just like you look at the person's genitals first, and then you're like, oh, I'll go on a date with that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm not going to watch it. I'm too, I'm, too, I'm too prudish to watch that, right? Right? Aren't I? I? Yeah, you definitely are. <laughs> You're going to do a marathon after we hang up the phone. I masturbate to it. No, I don't like... I don't, It's so... Why don't we just have the dating show where we get two strangers naked and force them into a dark room and not let them out until they've had sex? Because oh that's what we God. want. Like, that's what oh that's what all this God. is t- t- tailored. Even The Bachelor on network TV, the big thing with The Bachelor is, like, the dating suite or whatever the hell it is. Like, mm. they just want to see strangers bang. <laughs> it's, uh, there needs to be laws made. <laughs> that's what we're learning. There needs to be some oversight to reality television at this point. It's finally come to this. How did we get there? By what the is what is that show called? Do you know? I I can look it up. Can we at least punch up Naked Game Show Max? Yeah, good. Let's good. Search. I'll type in Naked Naked now. Attraction. Naked is Attraction. That it? That's it. Yeah, that's it. Oh that's my it. god, that came up. But way it's like too you don't fast. even hear the person's voice. 
you start with their genitals and then the vo- the thing keeps going up and like the voice is like the fourth or fifth thing you get from them. You know what I want to watch? Woman of the Hour, which was about the serial killer on Netflix. And serial uh, killer on Netflix. Well, no, the serial killer uh, on the on the dating show back oh, in the oh, sis- oh, okay. 60s. Right, right, right. Yeah, Anna Kendrick's movie. Anna Kendrick's yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what I want to watch. Yeah. I don't want to watch the porn show. Would you be more or less inclined to watch it if everybody in that movie was completely naked? <sighs> no comment. <laughs> Argyle. Argyle is an Apple original film <laughs> starring Dua Lipa, Henry Cavill, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Rockwell, Brian Cranston, Catherine cast. O'Hara, Ariana DeBose, John Cena, Samuel Jackson, Sophia Boutel. Oh my God, Matthew Insane Vaughn. Cast. Matthew I didn't Vaughn. know Matthew Vaughn had that kind of pull. Has that kind of pull. Kingsman, Kick-Ass, yeah. X-Men First Class, Layer Cake. The dude has made some good action movies. Now, this is just like the lost... I mean, I just watched Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock in The Lost City, okay. which was a reprise of Romancing the Stone. Okay. And Argyle seems like a reprise of Romancing the Stone, where the writers... You know, crazy book life becomes her real life. And See, that's how you know you're her. a cinephile, because my thought was, what was that movie with Will Ferrell as Emma Thompson is, like, dictating his life because she's a writer? Stranger, Stranger than, than Fiction. Fiction. That's, yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is the action Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah, it's also that. You're a film historian. That's why you went Romancing the Stone, which is the correct uh, analysis. However. I went Stranger Than Fiction. I have a couple takeaways here. Like, okay. number one... Apple Original Films, they're continuing to outsource their distribution deals. This is going to be universal, putting this in theaters and distributing it in uh, in February, so February 2nd. So Argyle is going to have a theatrical footprint, so we're hoping it does well okay. there, right? Good. Yep. Um, I also think that uh, Sam Rockwell is doing some good work here. Yeah, I agree. He, I, I did not even recognize him in that uh, the first time the cameras shows him with all that hair on him. He's funny. He's he's chewing scenery. Brian Cranston's chewing scenery, I think, is the big bad, mm-hmm. right? I, I, this is a great cast. There wasn't a cast reveal that made me less interested in seeing this. Henry, I was Cavill like, oh, we're gonna get another Henry Cavill spy <laughs> movie. It's whatever. And then, the haircut. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't like his haircut. No, come on. It looked fine. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make fun of how Henry Cavill looks. <laughs> Dua Lipa is fighting him, <laughs> probably over that hairstyle, but okay. Good trailer. Yeah, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed that trailer and how much I'm looking forward to seeing this now. All the cat gags did not turn us off. Yeah, two dog people. All right, finally, True Detective Night Country. We both really want to see this. Jodie Foster, Callie Rays, Nick Pizzolatto uh, with uh, Issa Lopez. The showrunner here. Did they say in this that those five dead bodies were just a mound of flesh as if they all congealed together? I I don't know. <laughs> but, like, all I really care about is, is, is Sac- Sasquatch going to be in this show? Like, is Sasquatch at least you are, part you are of the You are near reason. the woods. If you could do me a solid and write in a Sasquatch. <laughs> all of these Alaskan killer Bigfoot shows and reality shows and... YouTube movies are hitting and I'm watching too much of it. And like, this is why we need to get you as a head of a studio or true detective night country. If they employed Bigfoot and actually make a compelling drama, like, do you even need to have a 76th Emmy award show? Just give it all to true detective season four. 
Jody, I see your vision, but where is the Sasquatch? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be disappointed if Sasquatch is not in the show. I have a feeling you're going to be disappointed, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got to rip up a bunch of reviews now. So to get back to our whole September, October thing, I was oh looking God, forward. You did watch a lot. Go ahead. I was looking forward to It Lives Inside, but it was not good, man. C minus. The Nun 2 was a very religious superhero-type movie, and It Lives Inside's another one of those. And it devolves into this very cheesy finale with terrible costume VFX, and it's very predictable. It Lives Inside. Will I like it? Well, I wish that it stuck to the premise of the movie. Like, you trap the demon inside of a jar, the vessel... And you could have stuck to that premise, and yet they, like, abandoned that premise almost immediately. So, I don't know, man. Like, the Pope's exorcist and the exorcist kind of did this much better recently, I would think. Hmm. The Pope's exorcist certainly did. And that was a cheesy movie that we kind of liked. But they abandoned the hook, so C-. minus. The Creator, C+. Uh, I like the VFX. I dislike the story. Very bland, predictable, poorly acted, which is a shock to me because John David Washington, I've loved him in everything he's ever done. Right. And yet he is so dislikable. And so his character is so belligerently on the wrong side of this plot for far too long that you're just waiting for him to catch up. Huh. It's so aggravating. But a lot of the production team of Dune, uh, cinematographer Greg Frazier was like this... Uh, he ended up being more of a consultant because I believe, what's his name, uh, Oren Soffer became the cinematographer, the DP, because he had to go work on Dune 2 after the pandemic there. But oh, Hans so Zimmer did, did the music. Florence Pugh, that's why she couldn't be, don't worry, darling. There you go. Yeah. That's, that also happened. Uh, and and Dune anyway. Dune 2 keeps pulling these people from these places that they need to be costumer production designer not the the ones that won all the oscars but in the art department jeremy Hanna. this movie looked stupendous and all these visuals kind of wasted on this stupid plot and all the 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 great science fiction of this story michael like you you watch a lot of ai futuristic projection here and you look at it as prophecy when you watch the creator and yet Two hours and 15 minutes. It was like a half hour too long. And you know exactly where it's going. So That's no good. That's never a good ending, a summary line for any kind of movie. I still give it a C plus because the production values are so good. And I would expect, I would expect the creator to get nominated in VFX, especially because they use like a camera you could purchase at Best Buy and they did it all That's in crazy. post. Yeah. And it's amazing that it looked this good. It looked real. Interesting. All right. It looked real. You know what did not look real? Jewels. <laughs> Jewels. I'm going to give a C plus or I, I don't know because I totally zoned out watching this alien spaceship crashing in the yard of a Ben Kingsley. And it's just it's like harmless entertainment. It's difficult to dislike it. And all right, whatever. C plus. You can't be in and out of a movie and give it a C plus. I, I got when I got back in. What's the baseline for holding your attention? Uh, you're right. You're probably right. I, I, I actually graded it an IDK. Okay. 
in my fair. doc. N.A. is how I put them, but yeah. N.A. Yeah, it probably should be an N.A. Well, I actually did not watch it with a, another screen experience, this next movie. You did I not stick with my attention. Cassandra. Yeah. So I'm going to give Cassandra a B-. And I wonder if this is a standard based on your wrestling scholarship because it looked like the wrestling scenes were goofy to me, someone who doesn't follow wrestling. Were they goofy for you? I mean, I don't know. Were the Spider-Man 2 wrestling scenes? That's, yes. It, it was yes, a cinem- they were. Yeah, okay, then yeah. I mean, it was a cinema. It was a movie wrestling scene that wasn't the wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, they're never done well. Sports, for whatever reason, we the, the industry at large, I think, yeah. still has so far to go with making sports actually feel like sports. And, like, there's a couple cases in which it works. Like, Miracle was a good one, I think. Well, winning uh, time, man. Winning see, time yeah, is winning great time, sports. I've, I've, I'm, winning time is how you have to do it, though. Like, you have to have guys, cameramen, on the court yeah. and build them ramps and stuff to follow the action. Like, I, there's a famous TikTok going around about the way winning time was shot um, for the on-court action. But that's, like, how you have to do it. You have to make the crowd is such a big deal. So, yeah, I mean, long answer to a short answer is meh. I was meh on the wrestling action. Cassandro did kind of stick the landing a bit for me. I enjoyed, I, I'll be honest with you, I enjoyed a lot of the character work. I think Gael Garcia Bernal is terrific, and I really, it's a, an endearing true story. You love to root for a character like him, and a lot of the non-wrestling scenes were pretty good. That being said, it was like a, a bit of a clumsy script, and, a, and a, definitely a melodramatic, yeah. flawed you know, writing the job here. The melodrama kind of took me out of it, to be honest. And yet, you know, the music is great in Cassandro. Mm-hmm. The performance is great. So I'm like, I'm like a B minus. You're probably a little lower. Yeah, I think I gave it. Well, I gave it an NA too because I was I just okay. didn't hold my attention. But yeah, I was like in the C range. Flora and Son just watched this on Apple TV Plus. Not as cheesy as I feared, but this is high good. cheese. This okay. is high cheese still. I mean, there there's some good songs actually that show up towards the end of the movie which I was very grateful for. And and I, you come to expect from a John Carney-directed movie of Once, of you know Sing Street. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, Eve Hewson, she's Bono's daughter, and she actually does her daddy proud, despite my fears that Good. she was, like, squawking in that trailer, which she was a little <laughs> bit. Though she was off-key. <laughs> but the U2 rock star daddy can, can be proud of uh, Eve Hewson, who, who I can't see as anybody else now that I know right. she's Bono's daughter. and But she's great in this, and it's a really cute family band-type story, and they're drinking Guinness the whole time, and they're potty-mouthed, and it's corny. It's so corny, Florence <laughs> son, but I didn't hate it. That's So I give you a C-plus, B-minus. All right, fair enough. I'm glad you came around on that. We both watched uh, No One Will Save You? Yeah. On Hulu? Yeah, I liked it. I tell you what. Great scenes in this home invasion, encounters of the third kind type of movie. Great scenes, and yet, I I love so many things about it. I love the ending, the very ending, even though I hate the finale kind of sequence. However, I love the acting, and it's a silent film. Caitlin Dever. Uh, that's the most impressive part to me. Is, is, there's no dialogue. Almost zero there's right. like maybe one line in the whole movie mm-hmm. uh, and yet like this movie gets so ridiculous in terms of the creature stuff even though it's 
cool and scary, but like the long arm alien makes no sense to me. Like, why does that exist? Why? why Tom DeLonge would not be proud of this movie. <laughs> is what I'm trying well, to that's get. That's how at. I base all my decisions is whether or not Tom DeLonge would appreciate this. Is uh, <laughs> I I, yeah. I mean, look, the aliens themselves and where this movie goes, it's not what you expect and for better or worse i guess but yeah there's cool effects there's some cool shots i like the cinematography of this like especially yes. the, the one shot of a guy walking off a bus and then we see caitlin dever running ahead of him i think that was a kind of innovative mm. shot kind of cool um it's a b minus it's a fun watch yeah i'm i'm like a low b yeah. i'm somehow higher than you and you like you seem to be seem to like it more. Uh, it's anyway a pleasant b minus i watched a million miles away on Amazon, what I thought was just going to be a background movie. But Michael Pena, Rosa Salazar, great cast, playing Jose and Adela Hernandez, the, the true life heroes of, of this story. Uh, Jose becomes a, an astronaut. And I got to tell you, man, this was like an emotional performance from Pena. This is a screenplay that absolutely subverts a lot of the issues we've been having with spouses in movies, right? I mean, Rosa Salazar, she's she's terrific. And I thought her character is like this refreshing take on the spouse who's actually, she's a rounded character. Good. You see her wrestling with the fact that her husband is putting his dreams before hers, at least at one point in the plot. She's wrestling with the fact that her husband is keeping this information from her. And then she's like, oh, my God. I." She goes through a whole arc of having to deal with her husband really, truly trying to be an astronaut against all odds. And it's this good story. And it's it seemed like a grounded story and how he does that. Good. I mean, there's a ton of cliches. But, like, again, be solid. Be a million miles away on Amazon Prime. An emotional inspirational watch i'm happy like to hear that. that all right and you also had a high grade for this one the saint of second chances a documentary on netflix about the veck family bill and mike veck it's more about i think mike veck and his family but it's about his dad who owned the white Sox for a while and then i believe mike veck is the son who owned a bunch of minor league teams most notably the saint paul saints where the mascots of the team essentially became his kids who who went around the uh you know the the stadium just like the mayors of the base you know of the baseball uh whole scene there and i i just i loved every minute of this this is if you're a baseball fan you know it's an adorable is it a story about a baseball hustler yeah it's a documentary but you have charlie uh day of it's always sunny in philadelphia doing the reenactments throughout the movie of oh interesting you know, okay of the the son trying to break into the business and then you have the actual guy playing his own father in the reenactments <laughs> so it's very cute interesting all right yeah, and the reenactments not... aren't insufferable it's just like you know charlie day doing you know some goofy things and it's it's i love the saint of second chances i had wanted to see it at tribeca and I'm glad I caught it on Netflix now. So Netflix, doing good things for me, continued because I watched three of the four Wes Anderson, Ronald Dowell short film series. I guess it's a short film series. 
B-plus all day. The Wonderful World of Henry Sugar, Benedict Cumberbatch narrated that one. The Swan, Rupert Friend narrates that one. The Rat Catcher, Richard uh, Ayoade narrator. And I just love the cast. I mean, Ray Fiennes doing a great job throughout. The Wonderful World of Henry Sugar and The Swan in particular inspirational stories so, so are you, these separate ones on netflix or are they all separate okay and they're not really children's stories either these are like they have some edge to them okay and it's basically these great actors dev patel ben kingsley right ray fines benedict cumberbatch etc rupert Ooh. friend they're narrating the book as they perform the actions staring at the camera with wes anderson production design Huh. What's right. not to like? Yeah. I mean, that's all it is. And The Wonderful World of Henry Sugar is kind of more involved. That's like 37 minutes. The Swan and the Rat Catcher are 17 minutes. You get a laugh every few minutes, and it's it's beautiful to look at, and the stories are really good. Can't ask for more than that. So Netflix is my favorite right now, despite the strike. No, I, I mean, <laughs> Sex Education, they did a good job bringing Sex Education. Season 4, one of my favorite binge watches ever. Uh, a couple years back, uh, my brother was trying to get me to watch that forever, and I finally did. I love the binge watch. Sex Education Season 4, very ambitious, juggling a lot of storylines because they built up so many characters so well. So they had a lot to bring to a close. You've always been high on that show. I loved most of it. Now, they got a little cheesy, I would say, for some of it, and a little preachy, to be honest with you. Right. But, I mean, it's all righteous lessons and morals that I'm, I'm glad to hear even though it's a little didactic however i mean you know other than this central plot line of college college kids competing in election to be the unlicensed student sex therapist of the school which makes no sense most ridiculous thing you've ever that's heard thing yeah correct <laughs> i mean you can't be an unlicensed sex yeah. therapist can you but like these kids are actually <laughs> campaigning to be elected <laughs> Anyway, uh, the whole premise conceit of the first season is that this kid becomes a secret sex therapist to all of his classmates. And he does it like, you know, from like the back under the bleachers at the school and he's giving out sex advice and he gets in trouble for it. You know, mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, yeah, that's that sounds like they're running for number one felon. Right. And we have we have a winner at the end of the series and. Nobody seems to care, uh, legally speaking, (laughs) in Great Britain about this. So it's beautiful utopian future we all can look forward to. (laughs) But I loved it. I loved most of it still, and I want to rewatch the whole series at some point. And uh, great job by Netflix again. So Netflix, doing well for me. Thank you. Reservation Dogs, season three, gets my A grade of the episode. Mike, I can't tell you how much I love this series. You have to watch it. I'm banging the table for Reservation Dogs, the series, and season three. It's like Ted Lasso levels of rewatchability, I would think. And oh. I've rewatched some episodes. I can't, I mean, they have three generations of characters. I care about each generation equally. You got the kids, which is where season one starts. You're kind of focused on the kids, but then you get into the parents. And, and there are one-off episodes on all of the parents. And best of all, there are episodes on the elders, like the grandparents. And the finale was some of the best writing 
I've ever seen in any finality, going back to maybe six feet under, Jeez. where you have concise emotional scenes that are just magical, one after another. And I'm near tears for 27 minutes of this season three finale, wondering why, oh, why this series has to even end. But I do think it's for good reasons that the filmmakers are getting more work elsewhere and they wanted to move on and they brought Reservation Dogs to a close. But good God, burn the Emmys down next year. Burn it all down. If Reservation Dogs season three isn't nominated in a bunch of categories, it's on Hulu. Binge it, people. Wow. Loved it. So September probably didn't pack the punch I had hoped, but Sex Education, Reservation Dogs, and, you know, a couple nice little surprises like No One Will Save You, uh, A Million Miles, what would I have, Uh, The Saint of Second Chances. Mm Could have been worse. September could have been worse, all things considered, that we had two strikes going on, right? Uh, yeah, I would say so. And one of those strikes is done, and the other one hopefully is nearing its end. Uh, we can go back and, and listen to the reviews that Mike had in this episode. Go back and listen to how the WGA ended up winning their strike in the last episode, and that'll do it from us for these episodes. As always, dear listener, we want to hear from you. Any of your thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we've done in these previous two episodes, as well as anything we do here in the MMO Empire, you can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we're available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you listen to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, your September watching is done. We move on to October. Uh, we went through what's on the horizon a bit, but tell the good people what might be coming next from us, and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Well, knock on wood, I'm going to get to New York City and review some uh, New York Film Festival films. Poor things. Uh, all of us strangers, I'm going to go and I'm going to fill my belly with with food before and after. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about that. I'm going to get what is supposedly the best burger in the city at Emily. Wow. Uh, this is uh, big I, talk. It's just called the Emily Burger. I mean, I just, everybody rates it number one in the city. Going with my brother and a friend and uh, going to enjoy life, I hope, tomorrow despite the rain to uh, see poor things. So. I'm worried. I'm worried. Poor things is gonna be so weird and so bad. But I, poor I'm, things I'm hopeful. and the best burger. Yeah, I'm. I'm hopeful it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see. We will see. What uh, any words of wisdom? Eat the best oh, burger. Yeah, go, yeah. I guess if you're gonna go and eat a New York City burger, go for the best. But <laughs> I mean, maybe you know it's wise not to record two episodes when you're you got a cold coming on. So I don't know how my voice did in this one. Yeah. But I do, I do know that you did a tremendous job in the first half of our recording. So words of wisdom should be to listen to the last episode about the WGA end resolution to their strike and, and your analysis, Mike One. So good job there, buddy. Thank you, sir. Good job by you uh, there and here as well. Uh, guys, as always, when reality sucks, you can come do a job with us. That sounds wrong, but whatever. We're here now. <laughs> You're shot. That's it. You're done. Do a job. You did. You did. The Why do you want to say they have a good job with us and a bad job with us? I did a good, good job, job by everybody. Good job by the mics. <laughs> we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. Yay.